This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse sorts, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about the three foundations for a safer horse. Being safe is the number one priority for most equestrians, or at least it should be. In order to be safe with your horse, you need to establish a good foundation. Today, we're going to talk to trainer Missy Wynn of Holistic Horsemanship about making your horse safer. We'll talk to Missy right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon Horsin' Around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we are talking to trainer Missy Wynn about the three foundations for a safer horse. Missy, welcome to the show. Thank you. First off, let's get into what the three foundations are. Tell me what they are just right off the bat, and then we'll get into depth with each one. Okay. The three foundations are something that I start every horse with. A horse must know these three foundations to be safer with me. The first one is backing up. The second one is pressure and release with bonding. And the third one is leading. You'd be surprised how many people lead their horse in a dangerous way. Okay, let's talk about the first one that you mentioned. Backing up. The reason why I teach a horse the very first thing to back up is so that I am controlling the horse's feet. The horse's natural instinct is he who moves the other's feet first is in control. Therefore, if I'm controlling my horse's feet, that horse's instinct naturally recognizes me as the herd leader. And when we're working with horses, they're prey animals, therefore they're genetically wired to require a herd leader at all times. So when I'm with my horse, my horse looks at me and sees me as another member of the herd. Therefore, I have to be that herd leader because the horse is genetically wired to require a herd leader. 
so. Mm-hmm. In teaching the horse to back up, I'm controlling his feet, and I'm creating a safer space for myself. So I imagine uh, a circle around me, and my horse is not invited into that circle unless I ask him. So I will start with backing up. And it's as simple uh, as just jiggling the lead rope a little bit, kind of snaking it back and forth. And the horse may just stand there and kind of look at me like, what? And I'll jiggle a little more. And then I'll kind of amp that pressure, which is applied measure of pressure. I'll kind of increase that, amp that, start jiggling a little harder. And as soon as that horse takes one step back, I will bow at my waist and drop my eyes. And the reason why I bow is I'm dropping my pressure. And uh, a horse learns from the release of pressure, not the pressure itself. So my dramatic bowing is the physical indication of all my pressure being released. And that horse has, oh, I must have done something right. So then I'll stand, I'll go, good boy, good girl, and I'll go and then rub on their neck And the reason why I'll stroke that neck is because when baby hit the ground, that's the first thing mama did, was in there cleaning the baby, licking that neck. When baby got scared, mama was in there licking that neck. Research has shown that stroking the neck releases a chemical response that relaxes the horse. And I believe that accelerates learning. So when the horse has done the right thing, I bow, good boy, good girl, verbalize that, the appreciation, and then I'll go in and I'll stroke that neck. And then I'll step back and I'll face the horse again and I'll jiggle the lead rope and jiggle and jiggle and that horse may step back or kind of start leaning back and I'll drop that pressure instantly by bowing and stop jiggling and appreciating verbally, good boy, good boy. And then I'll go back and stroke that neck. And eventually, the backing up will just be a slight jiggle and that horse will back up out of my space. So now Mm -hmm. I've controlled that horse's feet and that horse, his instinct is recognizing me as the herd leader since I'm controlling the feet. Okay, now what do you do if your horse doesn't respond to the jiggling of the lead rope? Then you would take that lead rope and kind of give it a jerk up and down so the lead rope itself has some uh, slack in it, and then that'll kind of bump, bump against that horse's chin. I prefer not to use a lead rope with a snap or a clip on it because I don't want that metal banging under the chin. I'll use an eyelet lead rope. So it'll pop them kind of under the chin, and they'll want to move away from that, and that will force them to take a step back and then immediately drop that pressure telling that horse he did the right thing because that horse learns from that release of pressure, not the pressure itself. So your release has got to be instant and dramatic. Okay, now when would you use this? Would you do it um, from a standstill or would you do it when a horse is crowding you or both? Well, the first thing I do is I teach that horse to back up. So when I pull him out of the, the stall, uh, we'll get in the center of the arena and then I'll stand in front of that horse. Now, if that horse is starting to walk all over me back, you know, trying to push me around, I'll start jiggling that lead rope. I'll snap it up and down and get that horse's attention until they're looking at me. And a good boy. And then jiggle, jiggle, and snap it up and down if I have to. Increase that pressure until that horse responds with the right answer, and that means backing up. Once you have a horse backing up, then when you are leading you can jiggle that rope and get that horse behind you. Or if that horse is 
not paying attention and wiggling all around, trying to move into your space, just go right back to your backup response of jiggling that lead rope to get their attention. So how does this translate to when you're in the saddle? Well, first, I've controlled that horse's feet. And backing up is invoking that horse's instinct that I'm the herd leader. So there are five fundamentals that I teach that translate under saddle. But backing up is about ground foundation. You've got to have Mm -hmm. it good on the ground. You've got that horse. You need that horse to recognize you as that herd leader on the ground first. So then when you're in the saddle and you're asking for, you know, cues, getting that horse to move, that horse then is going to trust you and have more confidence. But you've got to establish that on the ground first for that horse to be confident with you under saddle. And backing up is just a basic, quick way for that horse to learn that you're the herd leader. And when they know that you're the herd leader, that builds that confidence and trust and relaxation in your authority. And that will translate Mm -hmm. directly under saddle. Okay. Now let's talk about the next step. Pressure and release with bonding. This one teaches the horse that that when I apply pressure and that horse gives to the pressure, they get an instant reward. And this translates uh, for dropping the head, for breaking up the pole, for lateral flexing. So I want to teach this on the ground first. And the first thing I do is I'll grab the lead rope under the shank, under their chin, and I'll ask for that horse to drop his head. And so I'll hold steady pressure downward. And as soon as that horse drops his head, just even the slightest, I open my hand like a hot potato, giving that instant release, because that's how that horse learns. So that's pressure. I'm asking head down with pressure. As soon as that horse drops that head, I release that pressure with an open hand. Good boy, good boy, and stroke the neck. I'll ask for a few more times the head down. Then I'll take my hand. Say I'm standing on the near side of the horse. I'm on the left side. I'll take my left hand over the nose. And there's on the, on the, rope, on the rope halter, there's a little knot on the side of the nose. And I like a rope halter versus um, the web halter because the little knots give pressure. And that horse learns from uh, coming off of that pressure, that instant release comes from that knot when they do the right thing. So I'll put my hand over that knot now. I've got my left hand over his nose, and I'm going to step to the side, and I'm going to ask that nose to come over to the side a little bit. What I'm doing is I'm setting this horse up for a one-rein stop under saddle, which is my emergency handbrake. When a one-rein stop is done correctly, that's nose to the girth and hindquarters disengaging. And what I mean by disengaging is the inside rear foot crosses the outside rear foot. That horse can't buck, bolt, or rear. That's my emergency handbrake. But I'm teaching this on the ground first. And I'm teaching nose to girth as the safe and loving place we go when we're in trouble. So I'll ask that nose to come around. And as the horse gives, I release. And I'll ask a little more, and the horse will give, and I'll release. Some horses can be kind of scared of this at first. They're, they're not used to pulling their nose to the girth, so they may move their hind end around. Just stay with your horse, follow him around, and I'll stroke the girth area with my right hand as my left hand is guiding that nose towards the girth. When I've got that nose just tipped a bit, I will exchange breath nose to nose because that's what horses do with one another when they greet each other. They exchange, they exchange breath. So 
my horse sees me as another herd member, I need to be able to communicate to my horse in a language he understands. So it makes sense to me to use their herd language, and that is an exchange of breath. So I'll do that just once, and that's part of that bonding. So I'll get that nose over, exchange a little breath, and then I'll wait for that nose to tip a little bit towards the girth, and I'll instantly release. I'm setting that horse up for nose to girth in a one-rein stop, and this is a safe and loving place. Mm-hmm. I have a, a quick little story. I was on a run one time with a mare, and it was in April. And we were running full out on a logging road, and a little bear cub ran right in front of us. And I've oh, had, Yeah, I've had old cowboys tell me, just hang on, let your horse do what they got to do. Well, in my neck of the woods, there's a lot of trees. And that could mean I could get, I could get knocked off, I could get killed if my horse just took off through the trees. Well, the first thing my mare did is she dove to the ditch next to the logging road, stuck her nose to the girth, and started disengaging her own hindquarters with her eyes wide, looking at me, what do I do, what do I do? I had taught her, and it really paid off that day, that nose to the girth is the safe and loving place we go when we're in trouble. Mm, So I taught it on the ground, and then I taught it under saddle in the walk, trot, and canter. So whenever I go to reach down to pull that that horse's nose to the girth, my horse instantly shuts down because Mm -hmm. it's like a switch because I've made it a good thing, not a scary thing. Right. So that, that pressure and release of bonding, head down, and then nose to girth, and love them up. And then the next piece that I add to that pressure is while I have the nose to the girth, now I'm going to take my thumb where my heel would go, and it's very important that we are giving cues to our horses on the ground where our feet would be when we're under saddle. That way it translates under saddle very clearly for the horse. So I'll have that nose to the girth uh, just slightly, and I'll put my thumb where my heel would go on his belly down behind the girth area, and now I'm asking for those hind feet to move. And I'll look at those hind feet, and I'll press with my thumb, and when that horse picks up that foot and moves that inside foot and crosses over that the outside hind foot, then I rub him to a stop and say, good boy, good boy. So they've learned now to disengage their hindquarters. If you have a difficult horse that's not uh, moving that hindquarter, and sometimes they don't, they're going, what are you doing? I don't understand. I will actually tap that back foot with my toe and help them understand, I'm asking you to move your foot. So I'll tap that toe a little bit, and then they'll kind of pick up their foot and go, what? And go, good. So you may have to break it down in baby steps for your horse. If they're not quite getting what you're asking for a disengagement, you may have to break it down. Once they lift the foot, you release the pressure, and then you ask them again, and they lift that foot and kind of push them a little more with that thumb, and they may take a step. Good boy, rub them, and, and release that nose, release that pressure. Very important when you're doing pressure and release with bonding and you're doing that disengagement, you don't want to release that nose until those feet have stopped moving because that's what you're going to do when you're under saddle too. If your horse starts to take off and you've put your horse in a one-rein stop, you don't want to release that nose until those feet have stopped moving and that horse has given that nose to the pressure and is soft. You never want to reward your horse for being hard or stiff or resistant, always when they're soft and giving. Okay, um, explain to us why it's important uh, in that situation for the horse's hindquarters to move. What that does, it's like uh, if, you, if you stand up and take your left foot in front of your right foot, you can't 
walk, you can't run, you can't do anything. It's like pulling the emergency handbrake on a horse. It's equivalent to like putting the clutch in a car when you're driving along and you depress the clutch. All the power goes out. The the motor's still running, but there's no more forward power going. Those Mm -hmm. hindquarters are the gas pedal. And when you ask that horse to disengage those hindquarters and cross those feet, it's like putting in the clutch in the car. Now that horse can't buck, bolt, rear, nothing because those feet are crossed. And once they just start crossing those feet, now you're controlling their feet and you're the herd leader because you're controlling their feet. We're going to go to a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about leading. So we'll be right back. Why the long face? (laughs) I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we're talking to trainer Missy Wynn about the three foundations for a safer horse. Tell us about leading. Leading a horse, when I was a kid, I started dressage when I was six. And I was taught to hold the uh, lead rope or the reins directly under the chin, holding onto the shank under the chin and leading my horse right next to my shoulder. Well, that's fine when you're in shows and in a showmanship type shows as well. But really, if you're holding onto that horse next to your shoulder and you're walking down the road and that horse gets spooked, where's that horse going to go? Boom, right into you. I had a little girl in my training program that was taking her horse for a walk and Dad was looking out the living room window, and there's a little horse in the front yard. But where's his daughter? He went down the road, found her down there flat out on the asphalt. She had been leading the little horse. He got spooked and, boom, ran right into her and stepped on her. Well, what I teach for leading is that horse needs to be at least a half horse length behind me. And because I've taught that horse how to back up, to keep that horse behind me, it should only take a bit of a jiggle on that rope. Now, if the horse just isn't paying attention, you can take the end of your lead rope and just kind of twirl it like like a helicopter. So that pressure that the horse will go, huh, I don't want to run into that, and they'll stay behind you. It's very important, I think, for the safety of the handler that that horse be at least a half horse length behind. That horse would never run past the herd leader. If that horse ran past that herd leader, she'd chase him down and give him what for. 
she'd probably give him two heels for running past her. A horse must respect that herd leader. And as their herd leader, we must be that at all times. I want that horse a half-horse length behind me and respecting my space, unless I invite him up into my space. So using your, your backup response, get that horse to back up, twirl that lead rope, keep that horse behind you. And the horse is also responsible for the slack in that lead rope. That lead rope is not to drag on the ground, and you should not have to drag your horse. So it can take a few sessions to teach your horse the proper position, and that horse must keep up with you. If you speed up your step, that horse should speed up his step. When you stop, that horse should stop dead in their tracks. And one way I'll teach the stops on leading along, and when I stop, I'll stop and I'll throw my hand straight up, and I'll say, ho, oh. and that horse will go, ho, oh, because they didn't expect those hands to pop up, and so mm-hmm. they'll stop. And then after a couple of times of that, when I plant my feet, that horse stops. When I back up, that horse needs to back up and stay out of my space. If he's not, I'll jiggle that lead rope, and I'll say, you need to get back. You need to get back. That horse needs to mirror me as he would with any herd leader when he's out in a herd, even in a pasture. Uh, horses respect that herd leader and never run past that herd leader without her permission. And that's the way I want my horse to be behaving as well for my own safety. And it gives me time, too. If I hear those hoofbeats coming, if like the UPS truck is coming up behind us, my horse gets spooked, I can hear those hoofbeats coming. So it gives me time to get out of the way in case there's a crisis. Now, most of us are taught to lead the horse with the horse next to you. It sounds like you're saying the horse should be directly behind you. Is that right? Am I understanding you right? Yes. It's a safer position. That way you can keep the horse in your peripheral vision, and it keeps you in a safer position. Because if that horse gets spooked, uh, you're not going to get knocked down. That Mm -hmm. horse gets spooked from behind, you've got an opportunity to get control of that horse or to get out of the way and get that horse under control while being in a safer position. So is the horse horse is off to the side of you and behind you, not directly behind you? Yes, it's off to the side. It's natural for a horse to want to be off to the side a little bit. That's, That's perfectly normal. They don't have to be directly lined up behind me. They can be off to the side, but they need to be behind me nonetheless. Now, you were going to say something about in the show ring. Well, yeah, in the show ring, of course, you have to have your horse right at your shoulder. And, I, and the, you know, that's, that's a completely different approach, a different subject than what I'm talking about. Everyday handling, your horse should be behind you. Now, can a horse know there's two different ways to be led? Absolutely. When I invite my horse into my space at my shoulder, he knows that that's an invite. It's your body language. Your body language, if you... You know, have you ever felt when someone walks straight up to you with eyes locked, makes you want to move back, doesn't it? Kind of mm-hmm. gets in your space. That's how we talk to our horses is with our body and our eyes. Eye contact means move. Square shoulders means move. When I'm soft with my body, my shoulders are dropped, my eye contact is low, that means we're okay, everything's good. So when I'm leading my horse, I'm relaxed if my horse is is right at my shoulder, and I'm, I've asked him to be there, then he will lead. Because my body language says, this is correct. If I stiffen up and I jiggle a little bit, that horse then will automatically back up. Because my body language is saying back up, and the jiggle of the rope says back up. 
Now, once the horse is behind me, I can put my hand up a little bit and say, you need to stay back, and then keep walking, and that horse understands that he now needs to be behind me. Horses understand a lot more, I think, than we give them credit for. What your intention is, is what your horse is going to understand, because your body language is what that horse is reading. And when your body language says, it's okay to be next to me, he's going to understand that. And when your body language says, you need to be behind me, he's going to understand that too. Now, I would think some horses would catch on to this or be willing to do these um, foundations easier or more quickly than other horses, depending on their personality. Some are more dominant, uh, you know, horses that want to kind of challenge you more. Um, How do you handle a situation like that? Well, I have those situations happen just about once a week, every week. I put on intensive um, clinics for clients. And... Every week I've got a horse that hasn't had any kind of ground foundation. And so what happens in those situations is I spend a lot of time controlling that horse's feet. And in doing so, that horse gives up that leadership position and hands over that leadership and starts listening. But it may take uh, several sessions in a two-day period where I'm controlling that horse's feet by backing them up and I'll do some lunging to control the feet. Now, I only lunge a couple of circles. I'm not someone who believes in lunging until they're exhausted. I think that's ridiculous. But a couple of circles is controlling their feet. If I've got a horse that's pushy in my space, back them up, back them up. I got a horse, this happened last week, had a mare here, 15 years old, uh, never had had any ground manners. Just She just didn't know any better. So... I I taught her to back up, and then she started to just walk off, like, oh, whatever. And I go, hey. So I I jerk on that nose, get her to look at me, and I back her up again. And she'd go, okay, and then she'd go, whatever. And she'd start to walk off. And I'd have to, hey, you need to pay attention to me. And what I mean by holistic is I want the whole horse. I want their whole attention, their mind. Where their mind is, their body will follow. And if that mind is on me, they're going to follow my direction. So I kept asking that mare, you need to face up, you need to look at me, and you need to back up. And when she'd back up, good girl, and she'd start to walk off, I'd jerk the, the leader would go, hey, you need to pay attention. I'd, she'd look at me again, and I'd back her up, and then I'd go, good girl, and then I'd lead her a little bit. So I may spend, um, you know, a couple of sessions just backing up and leading, backing up and leading, just so I can get the control of the feet. And once that horse, that instinct really kicks in and that horse starts recognizing me as the herd leader, they're going to stand there and wait for their next command from me because it's an instinct. They can't help but do that. Once that instinct tells them this is the herd leader because he who controls the feet first is the leader. So it's as simple Mm -hmm. as, Spend some time backing up, leading, backing up, leading, and you'll get that horse under control. I would think when you're working with a horse that's that old that hasn't had that kind of training, um, it's probably a lot harder than a younger horse that's a sort of a blank slate. It was. And what was really important with this particular mare is giving her breaks in between. We'd work maybe 20, 30 minutes. we give her a break. Something that I find is very important is soaking time. She'd back up a few steps, do a good job, and then I'd stand beside her, I'd stroke her neck, and I'd get my fingers in her mouth and feather her tongue to get her mouth working. Because with the mouth working, 
they're they're chewing their thoughts, licking their brain, so to speak. Uh, it helps invoke their dendrites in their brain, which are the the little electrical connections, and those are working while they're licking and chewing, um, you know, with their mouth. And mm-hmm. I would also then, in 20 minutes, we'd put her away for, oh, maybe another 15, 20 minutes, put her in her stall. And that gave time for her brain to work on those things that she had just learned. You know, it's not like she's sitting in there thinking about it. Her brain is working on it. So then when I'd pull her out, I'd ask her to back up. Oh, she just like bumped up in her in her understanding that much faster by giving her mm-hmm. those breaks. You don't, right. I don't expect perfection right away. That will come. It's the journey. How you get there is what's going to determine whether that horse is going to be there when you fall off or that horse is going to run down the street and visit the neighbors. Mm-hmm. That's, for me, the most important piece is the journey. How are you going right. to get there? Okay, well, I wanted to ask you, invite you to come back next week and talk about the five fundamentals that translate under saddle. Does that sound like something you can do? Yes, I would love to do that, Audrey. Thank you. Okay. Um, That's all the time we have for today, but we'll talk to Missy next week to learn how you can um, get more control and be safer under saddle. And uh, thanks to Missy for being my guest this week. If you have any questions or comments about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. And please go to the episode notes page to get more information on Missy and a link to her website. So until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.